Broadcasting live from atop the Rocky Mountains, the crossroads of the West, you are listening to the Liberty Roundtable Radio Talk Show. All right. Happy to have you along, my fellow Americans. Sam Bushman live on your radio. Hard-hitting news that I refuse to use, no doubt, starts now. This, my fellow Americans, is the broadcast for May 17th. In the, year, in the year of our Lord, 2021, this is our one of two, and our goal always to protect life, liberty, and property, and to promote God, family, and country on your radio and the traditions of our founding fathers. Yes, indeed, we use the blueprint for liberty, the supreme law that I am, the Constitution for the United States of America as our guide. And absolutely, we're convinced the checks and balances brilliantly put in place by the founding fathers. What are the great peaceful restorative solutions we have at our fingertips, as you know, we reject revolution. We stand for peaceful restoration of the greatest country on the face of the earth. Wow, I had a fantastic weekend. Hope you did as well. Mine was full of God, family, and country. And full of the protection of life, liberty, and property. Let's see. Right after the show on Friday, I got ready and took off with Sheriff Richard Mack. And we drove to Battle Mountain, Nevada. Got all ready, geared up, spent the night, and had a fantastic Saturday. We kicked off Saturday by broadcasting live. It was me and Sheriff Richard Mack together on your radio from Battle Mountain. Sam and Mack broadcasting live from Battle Mountain, Lander County, Nevada. Now, Lander County is out in the boonies, but it's about 7,000 people, and they have become the first declared constitutional county in the country that I know of. They even took the time to register with the CSPOA as a constitutional county, and they wanted us to come and present a plaque, which we did. We both spoke. It was a rally today. That was Saturday. A celebration of liberty is what they're calling it. And it was at a place called Elquist Park, a very nice venue. Interesting thing is it rained on us a little bit. Um very strange indeed with that, but we uh, did very well nevertheless. I mean, there was literally, ladies and gentlemen, probably 1,200 people there. That would be my best guess. It's really hard to gauge because there was no registration of any kind. You just come. There's no tickets or anything like that. You just show up. So there's no way to gauge the crowd. We just had to look over it. I had about 20 different people look for me and give me their estimates. And how I'm gauging uh, that is... I'm taking everybody's estimates, kind of uh, dropping the high numbers and the low numbers and, you know, sticking with the people that guessed in the middle. A lot of people said 1,500. Some people even said 2,000. I don't think there were that many. Some people said, ah, 500, and then they go, ah, probably more, but I don't know how many more kind of stuff. My best guess is around 1,200 from all the uh, analyzing that I did. I had a couple of people that were accountants who knew how to kind of uh, look at numbers and gauge um, so Joe Bannister was with me. He's the one that one of the guys that gave me an example, uh, did a wonderful job. Joe basically looked around and did some calculations and came back and said, I, my guess, my best guess is 12 to 1500 people. Um, and what he would do is he would count five or six clusters of people, see how many people were in the clusters. Then he'd basically, you know, say, okay, well, if that's five clusters, then what does this look and anyway? Very, um, I don't know. Our best guess is the is the best I can say, but I'm telling you, there were more than a thousand people there. Very confident uh, in that reality check. Uh, so there you go, twelve hundred people in an outside rally in the rain. Speaker after speaker after speaker. I mean, I'm telling you right now. We talked about it on the radio too. We had a we have a peaceful intent for this whole rally, and if it got violent or if Antifa or anybody showed up and there was conflict, we were going to leave. 
Our peaceful intent, if it gets violent, we're leaving, we claimed at the start. Ladies and gentlemen, there was zero, I'm going to say it again, there was zero violence, zero heckling, zero conflict. It was a day to remember. There was food trucks. There were speakers. There was patriotic music. There was Americans outdoors where it's safe. Uh, spending time together laughing and crying and praying and standing and arguing and, you know, discussing politics and, I mean, everything else. It was just a phenomenal time. And most importantly, though, we really articulated our goal to be peaceful. Uh, there were a lot of cops there. I talked to a lot of the different sheriffs that were there. They had a tremendous amount of security. But the security was incredible. It was good enough to, to show their presence, to say, hey, guys, we don't want any trouble. But it was also hands-off enough to let the people just enjoy themselves. I mean, it was phenomenal. It was a very well-done uh, event. Uh, it was not costly to put on because it was just outside. There was a stage and speakers. I mean, it was just phenomenal. I got the chance to speak. A quick 30 seconds on my speech, I got up there and talked about, hey, you can't let the media bully you around, ladies and gentlemen. They've been lying and manipulating the truth about us and about everything else for so long. They've lost their credibility. You know what? The new media has taken center stage. He who owns the media makes the rules. It is up to you, my fellow Americans, to make sure that you challenge the media when they're dishonest. And that was the point of my speech. I said, look, you have got to, got to, got to challenge the media. Uh, whenever they're wrong, don't be rude, don't be belligerent, don't be crazy, but insist, say, you know what, that's just not the truth. And uh, so I talked about that. I also talked about critical race theory a little bit, how bogus it is. The general summation of critical race theory is that if you're white, you're a racist, there's no way to prevent it. It's so systemic, you don't even know that it's happening, but you're a racist and there's no way to prevent it if you're white. If you're not white, then you are never a racist. You can't be a racist. You're a flat-out victim, and that's all there is to it. That's what critical race theory teaches. I blew that narrative out of the water with a little story that I told in my talk. And I said, you know, I'm a totally blind person, as many of you may or may not know. And I went to my door one time because somebody knocked on it. And I opened the door and a guy was trying to sell me something. And I was not too interested in what he had to sell. And I was standing there talking to him, just going, look, I'm not really that interested. Da -da -da. And the guy's like, oh, come on, sir. You can, um, you know, learn about this and you can do that. And, and I said, no, I'm just I'm really not. And my daughter walks up. And she says, Dad, he's trying to shake your hand. Well, I didn't know because I'm a totally blind person. He had his hand out. So I reached out my hand. And the second I reached out my hand to shake his hand, because now, you know, I'm blind, but my daughter told me that he had his hand out, so I'm going to shake his hand, right? I didn't, I didn't realize or I would have put out my hand before. But then he yanks his hand out. He goes, no, sir. It doesn't rub off. It don't rub off. And I'm like, what? Well, it turns out the guy was black. And the guy put his hand out, wanted me to shake his hand, which I would have done. But then when I finally understood, because my daughter told me he had his hand out, Dad, shake his hand, he's got his hand out for you. Then I tried to, and he basically put his hand back, and he goes, look, it doesn't rub off. I know, just because of who I am, you don't have to shake my hand. It's all right, sir. Then he started backing away from the door and got all kind of rude. And then I said, sir, I'm a totally blind person. You don't have to make excuses, sir. It's okay. I understand. People like you in your neighborhood don't want to deal with people like me. He would went on like this. And at the end of that little story that I told, I said, now i got a question for you. Who's the racist? This guy's got such a chip on his shoulder that I'm the white guy and I live in the nice hood and whatever I do. And that I'm you know, not willing to shake his hand because he's black or whatever else. I'm not the racist. I didn't know he had his hand out. Anyway, the story, I think, went over well to help people understand that critical race theory is a lie. 
And so I finished by saying, you know what? We're all God's children. We need to behave like it. And then I finally finished by saying, God bless. And then I said, you know what? God save the Republic. And that's what we need today. That's for sure. We also talked about me and Richard Mack during the show that we have evidence the FBI had an ever presence at the event. And my message to the FBI is you're more than welcome to be here, but I want you to obey the law as well. All government bureaucrats need to obey the law too, including you, FBI. Don't get any crazy ideas. Don't stir anybody up and don't investigate all of us for just being normal Americans expressing our First Amendment rights. We also talked about the outdoor bus tour. Yeah, we talked about Richard Mack getting an FBI raid back in the day when he ran for sheriff of the state of Utah. We talked about Biden's win sees higher prices, increased taxes, and more. We talked about getting back to fundamental principles that we can all agree upon, or at least we should. That is the supreme law of the land, the Constitution. We talked about let let freedom ring across America and let freedom be proclaimed across the land. No exemptions to liberty is the point. Anyway, we had a great time. I'm going to talk more about this bus tour. Let me just give you a two-second on it now, and we'll drill into it more later. The bus tour is done by Robert David Steele. And it's called Arise USA, the Resurrection Tour. Robert David Steele. And uh, the cool part about this uh, bus tour is that the whole bus tour, which is going to be going on from now till 2024, where buses are crisscrossing the country and they're having spontaneous rallies wherever they go. Well, the kickoff of that was in Lander County two days ago on Saturday. I was there live for the kickoff. There were two buses there and they were wrapped buses. And one of the wrapped buses is wrapped as a constitutional Sheriffs and Peace Officers Association, CSPOA.org, wrapped bus. I'm telling you, it is cool, baby. It is all right. So Robert uh, Robert Steele came out and talked, or spoke. Richard Mack spoke. I spoke. I'm telling you, it was a, a wonderful time had by all. Just phenomenal people doing phenomenal things. Lots of people from all over the country were there for the kickoff of the bus tour in conjunction with the first county in the United States to declare themselves publicly a constitutional county. Man, I don't know that it gets better than that. There's a wrap of Saturday's broadcast on what I did all weekend. News that Edwards refused to use today starts now. Lowell Nelson campaign for liberty.org, ronpaulinstitute.org with me. And you had a fantastic weekend, too, from what I understand, sir. Sure did, Sam. Uh, you had invited me to join you there. Um, on Saturday, but I had a prior commitment to uh, visit the Frontsite Firearms Institute there near Pahrump, Nevada. Now, um, lots of people uh, maybe not have not heard of this uh, place, but it is amazing resort. Place where and when we get back, you'll tell guns. us all about it, ladies and gentlemen. Lowell Nelson with us. Two phenomenal things going on the last weekend. I'm sure there's way more with some of the wonderful things that you people were doing as well. Hang tight. Liberty Roundtable Live with Lowell Nelson on your radio. Why don't we say to the government writ large that they have to spend a little bit less? 
Anybody ever had less money this year than you had last? Anybody better having a 1% pay cut? You deal with it. That's what government needs, a 1% pay cut. If you take a 1% pay cut across the board, you have more than enough money to actually pay for the disaster relief. But nobody's going to do that because they're fiscally irresponsible. Who are they? Republicans. Who are they? Democrats. Who are they? Virtually the whole body is careless and reckless with your money. So the money will not be offset by cuts anywhere. The money will be added to the debt, and there will be a day of reckoning. What's the day of reckoning? The day of reckoning may well be the collapse of the stock market. The day of reckoning may be the collapse of the dollar. When it comes, I can't tell you exactly, but I can tell you it has happened repeatedly in history when countries ruin their currency. You know where the solution can be found, Mr. President? In churches, in wedding chapels, in maternity wards across the country and around the world. More babies will mean forward-looking adults, the sort we need to tackle long-term, large-scale problems. American babies in particular are likely going to be wealthier, better educated, and more conservation-minded than children raised in still industrializing countries. As economist Tyler Cowen recently wrote, quote, by having more children, you're making your nation more populous, thus boosting its capacity to solve climate change. The planet does not need for us to think globally and act locally so much as it needs us to think family and act personally. The solution to so many of our problems, at all times and in all places, is to fall in love, get married, and have some kids. All right, back with you live, ladies and gentlemen. While I was at the kickoff bus tour, the first county in America to announce their public constitutional county status. Hope they truly stick with that. Lil Nelson was hanging out at Front Sight, learning about the right to keep and bear arms and how to safely use those arms for all kinds of reasons, Lil. Well, thank you, Sam. As you may know, the mission of the Institute is to restore the Second Amendment in our lifetime. Wouldn't it be great to, to turn back the clock and, and uh, where everybody has a gun, everybody has a weapon, and, uh, and carries it around with them? I mean, that would be an awesome uh, thing. Anyway, uh, the Institute offers dozens and dozens of courses. Um, these courses are centered around handguns, rifles, and shotguns. It also offers self-defense martial arts training, and this I didn't know, self-defense knife training. Very interesting. Now, the course that we chose, there were four or five. There were five of us, actually, four from from northern Utah and one from southern Utah. So, five of us. We chose a shotgun skill builder course. <laughs> now, I had never been trained on a shotgun. I think I'd sh- shot a shotgun once or twice for like shot some skeet for fun at some camp somewhere. But I really didn't know much about shotguns. And those who are familiar with shotguns, those of you who are listening are really going to laugh out loud at my next comment. But um, everyone knows that a shotgun is used to shoot a bird out of the air. But did you know, Sam, that a shotgun can also fire a slug? <laughs> um, Actually, I did thought, know that. Yeah. See, see, I, I did not know that. I, I can't believe it's what you know where I've been all these years. But, yeah, shotguns can also fire slugs. 
So we bought and trained with birdshot, buckshot, and with slugs. We learned about the tool itself, the shotgun, you know, how it operates and how to operate it safely, effectively, and efficiently. We practiced shooting the various types of ammunition. We practiced shooting from various platforms, you know, standing, kneeling, prone. We learned um, how, to, how a shotgun can malfunction and how to fix each malfunction quickly. And we learned how to shoot a slug quickly, even though the shotgun was already loaded with birdshot or with buckshot. And we talked about this various scenarios about why we would want to do that. This was a two-day course, um, and uh, it was Friday and Saturday of last week. We learned uh, how the shotgun is, the, is probably one of the most versatile defensive firearms for the home. And at least, you know, some people really strongly feel it's the best um, weapon of choice, you know, for home defense. turns out that there's an instructor at front site, at least one of them, there's probably many, who has a shotgun in nearly every room in his home in a biometric safe. So you just, he just presses his thumb or finger or toe up against this biometric safe. It opens and, and out comes his shotgun. That house can be well defended, you know, if you've got that kind of firepower in every room. Because I guess you never know when you're going to need it. You, you don't know when what room of the house you're going to be in when, um, you know, a, a burglar attacks your house or, you know, some gang member tries to come into your house, so you, he, he's, this particular instructor is going to be well prepared. So we had a great time, Sam. The sun was hot, yes. The air was dry, very true. And the wind uh, picked up, uh, whistled from time to time, especially on Saturday afternoon while we were testing our skills. But it was absolutely invigorating and worthwhile. I come back from these trips to Front Sight so excited, so energetic, so enthused about what we learned there that, uh, see, we're already planning our next trip to Front Sight uh, sometime next fall. So that's a recap of my weekend, Sam. I'm glad you had a good time, and, and I'm just telling you, I had a great time as well. And ladies and gentlemen, Front Sight, uh, if you really talk to the right people, there's a lot of people out there who have become lifetime uh, members and stuff like that uh, who have really, really good opportunities and deals on Front Sight, by the way. That's right. In fact, uh, we have a, a pack right here in the state of Utah, Sam, called the Platform Republicans Pack, where members of the pack who donate, uh, you know, a hundred bucks to the pack, or if they want to donate ten dollars a month to the pack, we will award them a free class at Front Sight. And these classes are valued at one thousand dollars. It's a two-day defensive handgun class which you can pick up for merely a $100 donation to the pack. So you, not only do you support a pack that's um, doing good work in the state of Utah, we basically uh, we help to elect Republicans to the legis legislature who will defend the platform and adhere to the platform. And um, so not only can you support the pack, but you get this free class at Front Sight and be, become trained on on the use of a, of a handgun for home defense and self-defense. Sam? All right. Anyway, Front Sight Firearms Institute does a phenomenal job. I don't get a penny to promote them, ladies and gentlemen. I'm just telling you their skill builder classes are incredible. And, uh, you know, it is important to have guns, to understand your God-given inalienable right of self-defense, codified in the Constitution as the Second Amendment to the Bill of Rights, saying, hey, you know what? You have a right to keep a bear arms, and that right shall not be infringed. So we defend that right big time. 
But we also submit to you that it's important to get appropriate training. It's important to learn about uh, those things. Uh, you know, if you want to fly a plane, you got to have good training. If you want to, you know, it's not saying that you don't have a right to these things, but it is saying let's be responsible with them. And Lowell taking this all the way to the mat. How do you like that, ladies and gentlemen? All right, the police should sometimes avert their eyes. Walter E. Block with an incredible column uh, to discuss that I think is really worthy uh, of discussion here, Lowell. Yes, Walter Block thinks outside the box, and he wrote a column that was posted at the ronpaulinstitute.org last Monday, May 10th, and he describes the impact of this, you know, defund the police movement that swept the country last summer and, you know, seems to be sticking in some of the counties. Uh, numerous uh, members of our of police forces have, have been trashed. Their reputations are trashed. Their profession gets trashed, you know, by these defund the police types. Um, he said it's now more difficult to attract people to the profession. Numerous retirements have occurred in the quit rate is high and so basically he stated that's the problem and then he said now what could they do to re, re, you know repair the situation what can what can we uh we do i mean we need police uh in to, to protect the vulnerable ones in society right so how can we solve this problem this hemorrhaging of uh, personnel from police forces um, and so he came up with a very interesting solution, and it's, it's one that can be implemented immediately. He writes this. He says, quote, it is simple. Avert their eyes from victimless crime. Become libertarians. This is the philosophy predicated upon the non-aggression principle, private property rights, and free association, end quote. Now, put another way, it's the philosophy that you don't hurt people and you don't take their stuff. That's basic libertarianism, and um, it's not capital L libertarian, it's small l libertarianism, okay? So police are still needed to enforce laws that prohibit real crimes like murder and rape and theft and kidnapping, carjacking, fraud, and so on. The list is, is endless there, but those are real crimes. They're not fiat crimes. You know, a fiat crime is, is like fiat money. The government telling you that that piece of paper there is worth something. It's not really worth anything, but they tell you that it's worth something. So a fiat crime is, in my opinion, an action made illegal by government edict. This is not Walter Block talking. This is Lowell Nelson talking about fiat But let's crime. also add to your point, Lowell, about fiat crimes because it be clear. Not only is fiat crime uh, a bogus crime because there's no crime uh, maybe committed, but it's a selective enforcement scenario as well in other words the government can make money but you can't the government can do right. this but you can't the government can steal my money to put kids in government schools but hey i can't take money from anybody else so that would be theft kind of an idea okay this is where government gets special privilege beyond the authority of the consent of the governed where they just literally seize power it's fiat it's fake it's dishonest it's immoral okay and it creates victims everywhere so fiat crimes oftentimes are not victimless they have plenty of victims they're fiat in the sense that power has been seized under a supposed authority it's called pretend legislation go ahead Lowell. and yeah and it goes back to the idea that if you have the moral authority to do something then government does as well because government derives its just power from the people but if you don't have the moral authority to do something like walk across the street and take money from your neighbor in order to educate your own children, 
then neither does government have that authority. If you don't have, if the people don't have the authority, then government cannot have that authority. So Block then gives several examples. Breonna Taylor, uh, she was shot in a drug bust, but under libertarianism, all drugs would be legal. If the cops operated under the libertarian legal code, they would have refused to honor the order to arrest anyone for such a crime. And he gave Let's talk a little more about this with, Do- with uh, Lowell Nelson, because I'm not a libertarian in the party sort of the word, and I'm not 100% libertarian in my views. But we all can have a little bit more libertarian viewpoints along the way. I'm called a libertarian with morals. How do you like that? All right, hang tight. Lowell Nelson in seconds. Your daily Liberty Newswire. You're listening to Liberty News Radio. USA Radio News with Lance Pride. At least two people were killed, including a 12-year-old boy and more than 150 others hurt in the West Bank on Sunday when a bleacher collapsed during a packed holiday prayer service at a Jewish synagogue. The ultra-Orthodox House of Worship was still under construction, and the Israeli Fire and Rescue Service says building owners did not have a permit to support the large number of people. Staying in the region, Israeli warplanes continued a series of heavy airstrikes at several locations of Gaza City early Monday. Israeli Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu said the fourth war with Gaza's Hamas rulers would continue on. Hamas also continued to attack, launching rockets from civilian areas in Gaza towards civilian areas in Israel. NASA has successfully launched a Black Brant 12 rocket from its Wallops flight facility in Virginia Sunday night. The project is designed to study how energy and momentum are transported between different regions of space that are magnetically connected. USA Radio News. Recently, President Trump was talking about the big news networks, and here's what he said. We have others that come along, and they're doing well, and uh, uh, Newsmax has been really good, and, you know, others are coming along. Many Americans agree. Newsmax TV is really good. Nielsen says more than 30 million Americans watch Newsmax. You should, too. And find hit shows with Greg Kelly, Grant Stitchfield, Sean Spicer, and Lindsey Keith. Tune in tonight for Newsmax's newest show with Steve Cortez. It's called Cortez and Pellegrino. Newsmax is on all major cable systems. If you don't get it, call your cable system. Tell them you want Newsmax or you can switch. Plus, get Newsmax free on most smart TVs and OTT devices like Roku, Pluto, Zumo, and Amazon Fire. Millions have already downloaded the free Newsmax app on their smartphones. So start watching America's fastest-growing cable news channel. Because Newsmax is real news for real people. An unnamed man believed to be responsible for two early morning murders at Brother Brian Park in Birmingham, Alabama, opened fire on four police officers Sunday afternoon, striking all officers. Birmingham police spokesman Rod Malden. Two were struck by gunfire, which their injuries uh, appear to be not life-threatening at the time. They're expected to make a full recovery. Police believe the shooting began over a dog. The assailant was fatally shot by officers during the incident. When officers arrived, they discovered a female laying in the middle of the roadway, suffering from an apparent gunshot wound. Uh, she was rushed to the hospital where she was later pronounced deceased. We also had an adult male at that location that was uh, found unresponsive on the sidewalk. He was pronounced deceased on the scene. A brush fire in Topanga Canyon, California, gained strength Sunday as about a 1,000 residents remain under mandatory evacuation orders. L.A. Fire Department says the dense vegetation is very dry and has not burned in 50-plus years. USA Radio News. 
right, live and on your radio, Lowell Nelson, campaignforliberty.org with me. We were mentioning right before the pause this libertarian idea. I'm not a libertarian in the sense of, I'm not a libertarian in in terms of a party member. And, you know, the problem with libertarianism a little bit is that it depends on how far you embrace the ideas of less to no government. You know, uh, I asked one guy who was a hardcore libertarian, his name was Ernest Hancock, what's the difference between a libertarian and an anarchist? He said, oh, but a couple of election cycles. So, you know, you've got to be a little bit careful with libertarian ideas in the sense that they can go too far. Some libertarians are for prostitution, saying, hey, you can do whatever you want. I say there's a moral component to society where if you do certain things and or promote certain things or don't oppose certain things, uh, society becomes immoral in a hurry. Uh, And that's why we're not, you know, we're a constitutional republic, not a libertarian uh, complete bastion. Although I agree with some libertarian principles in that we need less government. We need less hands-on. We need less control. People need to be left to their agency uh, to a great degree. Anyway, we're talking about police should sometimes avert their eyes, which is a libertarian kind of an idea. Walter E. Block with the idea saying it's simple just avert their eyes from victimless crimes. Become libertarian, if you will. This is the philosophy predicated on don't hurt me, don't take my stuff kind of an idea. Now, I agree with the general premise here, though, and I think uh, he's on to something uh, for sure, Lowell. Yeah, I, um, I'm, I'm like you, Sam. I, I want the Constitution. I think it's a divinely inspired document, and it uh, constrains the general government to specific performance, and it gives the states, uh, and, and of course the states that wrote the Constitution, it, it reserves to them uh, in a plenary way, all other you know rights and authority, and you know, it, it reserves to those states and to the people all, you know all other rights. And so, within that framework, I am a, a strong proponent of, of don't hurt people and don't take their stuff. But like you, I agree there needs to be responsibility for the, the for the exercise of freedom and liberty. And if individuals fail to be responsible in their exercise of their liberty, then they will lose their liberty. And so there are consequences to our actions. We need to be, need to be very, very careful about, about what we do and what we don't do. So Walter E. Block, I think, uh, hit upon an idea that would help police forces immediately. I mean, today. They could implement policies where, I mean, they, they, they could, you know, if they... If, uh, if they uh, get an order to, uh, to raid somebody's home uh, at 5 in the morning with a SWAT team, and the charge is that this person is uh, smoking pot, they could you know, be found doing other things. They could simply ignore that particular order and, and have more important things to do, like investigating uh, a murder and, or, or investigating a, a, a theft or a rape or something that that has real impact, substantive impact on a person's individual rights. Whereas, you know, smoking pot, even though, you know, you, we, you know, we may, we may, we may not like that. It's not nearly as serious, and it's and it's and it's a victimless crime unless that pot smoker goes and hurts somebody. So, it's just very interesting that this idea that police could uh, immediately activate this idea and um, and their reputation would would come back up, I think. I think if people understood that the police were prosecuting real criminals instead of these, these fiat crimes, that they would have a newfound respect for the police, and uh, the police wouldn't lose their personnel as quickly. The quit rate would go down. 
and uh, it would become a, a noble profession once again. So anyway, that's the idea. Uh, Block, um, uh, he understands that the criticisms of the police might never entirely disappear, but he believes it would mostly evaporate if police fought real crimes, not fiat crimes. Sam? I agree with him in general, and I agree they need to avert their eyes on one hand. On the other hand, I find them not averting their eyes when it comes to uh, crimes that have no victim. What they do is they go after it like they have to enforce all laws. However, when it's a special person, a celebrity, a politician, then they seem to avert their eyes in certain cases, this selective enforcement idea. I have a problem with that kind of a, a mentality. But I also have a problem with averting their eyes when there is a victim. I'll give you an example. Antifa, Black Lives Matter, and some of these groups have been beating people up, the Proud Boys, etc. And I don't care which side of the aisle they come from. Uh, you know what? And they've been hurting people. And the government has turned a blind eye to that. They've just kind of looked at it, and cops have been just like, mm, not going to touch that. Or when they see rioting and insurrections and abuses and destruction of property. And, and okay, those are victim-related crimes. Okay, if my property's harmed, I'm a victim. If I'm physically assaulted, I'm a victim. They've been ignoring those crimes, but yet victimless crimes they've been going after with a fervor. Uh, and so not only do I agree with him on this point, but I also agree we need to start to say, hey, why aren't they um, prosecuting these crimes with victims? When you have private property destroyed all over Seattle, and when you have individuals being beat up all across the country, and we see uh, uh, more and more evidence that when Antifa and Black Lives Matter beat people up, the cops not only turn the, a blind eye to it, but they oftentimes go after the victim. Uh, and we've seen this from all the way local cops all the way to the FBI, and they've even admitted it publicly that this is happening uh, in many news sources now. Okay, this stuff has got to stop. So the selective enforcement, the uh, protecting of certain groups uh, is a real problem, probably even a bigger problem in many cases uh, than just this victimless crime discussion. Uh, Lol, I wanted to finish up on that because I think there's a lot here that really creates anger and hate between the cops and the people. We've got to work on solving this or we're in trouble yeah, just, in America. That's right. Just one other example. Uh, last year when the police went out and arrested uh, the housewife, uh, a mother of children, for playing in the playground, right? I mean, it was in the outside and they were playing in the playground and the police came along and said, this park is off limits. We'll arrest you if you don't leave. I mean, that is searching for victimless criminals right there. I mean, these people out playing in the park were not hurting anybody. They were enjoying themselves, and the police come along and arrest, you know, order them off for trespassing and then arrest for trespassing if they don't leave. That is, is the cause of, you know, the people disrespecting police. And, and so if they would stop doing that type of thing, then our respect for the police could, could rise back up and, and amount to something, Sam. There you have it. All right, two important topics down, a couple to go. Prior to 1913, ladies and gentlemen, no one paid income tax. Why? And why do they pay now? Very critical topic, Lowell. Well, and I thought it was a timely topic because uh, this, this is tax day. This is the day, May 17, 2021, when... Uh, individuals across the country are supposed to file their tax returns. It's the last day. It's the deadline day. Basically, a lot of people will file in January, late January, because they want to get the money back that the government uh, took from them. Um, of course, I wait until the last day because I usually pay a little money in 
Um, and I finished preparing my tax returns yesterday, or, uh, and, and so this topic is really fresh on my mind. Uh, the Constitution is now well over 230 years old, Sam. Uh, but do you know, do, do people know, do our listeners realize that we had no federal income tax for the first 124 years of, uh, uh, of this Constitution? And the general government handled it, its expenses just fine, right? So for 124 years, this country worked just fine without the federal income tax. And, of course, most states piggyback their income taxes on top of the federal. So really, we didn't have state income taxes until then either. So how in the world did the government, the general government exist? How did it operate without these federal income taxes? Well, the answer is um, tariffs and excises. Basically, a tariff is a fee on an import. An excise is a fee on a domestically made manufactured product. And uh, it turns out that, you know, 20 or 30 years ago, Harry Brown observed that tariffs and excise taxes are self-limited taxes. Now, this, Sam, I want you to comment on this in a second here. I, I had never heard this concept about a self-limited tax. But it, what he observed was that if a tax was raised too high, then the product gets priced out of the reach of the consumer, so sales go down, and tax revenues also fall because that product is not being purchased anymore. These self-limiting taxes stand in stark contrast to the income tax because as income tax rates rise, they can, they can be increased forever, basically go up forever, since most people cannot choose to stop working in order to avoid the tax, and, there, and that is not a self-limited tax. In other words, now, Sam, that's a concept Harry Brown articulated 20 or 30 years ago. I've never read that concept. What do you think about this idea of a self-limited tax? All right, I think the concept is absolutely brilliant to understand. And I think the Founding Fathers had kind of a sliding scale of, of acceptability when it comes to taxes. So right now, you say prior to 1913, no one paid income tax. Why and why now? And then your second headline related to this says this. The founders view versus the progressive income tax. When we come back, I want to talk more about that in detail because I think that Lowell Nelson's on to something here. Well, I want to build your understanding of the founding father's view. It wasn't a simple to tax or not to tax. It was a how can we generate the limited monies for the proper role of government, no more, no less, how do we make sure that it doesn't abuse the people in the process? All these realities uh, in the mix. We'll talk about them in seconds on your radio. Have we realized the assault against our lives, our liberties, our faith? To defeat this assault, Christians and all people of goodwill should have strategies to prevail in our faith and principles, which are simple. No need for a complex formula. One goal, one aim. A strategy like the heroic Christians of the past. We win, they lose. Nothing less. Big Q, Little Q. The Calm Before the Storm by a friend of Megagoria. The strategy of heaven revealed. Big Q, Little Q. The Calm Before the Storm, available on Amazon.com or by calling Caritas in the U.S. at 205-672-2000. 
The Foundation for Moral Law is a nonprofit legal foundation committed to protecting our unalienable right to publicly acknowledge God. The Foundation for Moral Law exists to restore the knowledge of God in law and government and to acknowledge and defend the truth that man is endowed with rights not by our fellow man, but by God. The Foundation maintains a twofold focus. First, litigation within state and federal courts. Second, education conducting seminars to teach the necessity and importance of acknowledging God in law and government. How can you help? Please make a tax-deductible contribution, allowing Foundation attorneys to continue the fight. You may also purchase various Foundation products as well at morallaw.org. Located in Montgomery, Alabama, the Foundation for Moral Law is a nonprofit, tax-exempt 501c3, founded by Judge Roy Moore. Please partner with us to achieve this important mission, morallaw.org. All right, we're talking about taxes, the founder's view versus the progressive income tax. Really, the founder's view versus modern day uh, is the real discussion. And Lowell Nelson said, prior to 1913, no one paid income tax. Why and why do we pay now? It's a great question. And what about this self-limiting tax discussion? And you know, the founders debated this stuff publicly. It was in the Federalist and Anti-Federalist papers. It was in their debates all over the place, and they had several different, um, what do you want to call it, bullet points to the debates. Uh, one of them was this indirect versus direct taxation. And the founders were insistent that the taxes were not direct because they said, look, direct taxation can get too involved in your personal life. It could just, I mean, you know, finding out how much money you make, all these details about who you are, your personal information. They knew about privacy and they knew about anonymity. Because King George would take names and, pardon the pun, kick butts. I mean, he would literally, uh, and so they, they met in secret. They would meet in quiet, and they would, you know, plan it because they were uh, afraid of the abuses by name. They wrote under pseudonyms back in the day for this reason as well, et cetera, et cetera. Well, anyway, so the direct versus indirect debate was one of them. The more a tax was direct, the more unconstitutional it was viewed to be. The more indirect it was, the more legitimate it might be to raise money. But this uh, also question that you brought up about a self-limiting tax is critical and vital. The second part of the debate or the discussion economically was, hey, should I tax the income side or the expenditure side of your taxes? And the real answer constitutionally is, well, let's get away from that whole process the best we can and, and, and not be in that process. But the idea is if you tax my income, you tax my ability to earn uh, then you encourage me to not want to earn as much as I can. You literally shut down that spigot, that flow of water, if you will, finances, um, right from the source, which is dangerous. Because if you uh, manipulate me into a corner, I'm just going to say, well, I'm only going to work to a certain amount, and then I'm not going to work anymore because I don't want to be taxed so hard. It's so abusive. It's, it's grievous to be born. I'm not going to tolerate it. On the other hand, if you tax the expenditure side, then you give me a little bit of a buffer. I can earn and not spend and thus improve my wealth still. Uh, Etc. So uh, taxing on the spend side of the equation is much better than the income side of the equation, but it's still fall for perfect, far from perfect because it's still too direct in many ways. Okay, when I go in and pay a sales tax, at least I don't have to give my name. Uh, but yet, it's it really creates a choke point, meaning the businesses now are responsible to collect and to monitor and to charge and to assess and to do all these things. They've just changed who the monitoring is right and I, I agree that it's better in a general sense on a business 
in a generic way than maybe on a person individualistically speaking. So sales tax is better than income tax. But the debate really came down to from the founding fathers is, hey, let's make it as indirect as possible. And let's not really attack that economic equation. Let's have two kinds of taxes, an apportionment tax, which simply says, Sam, in Utah, you're one of three million Americans. Therefore, Utah-wise, you have one three millionth. And on a federal government level, Sam, you there's 330 million people. You're one of 330 millionth, if you will. And therefore, we can figure out what the cost of legitimate government budget expenditures are. And you know what, Sam, you can pay your fair share. And then the states can assess then upon good behavior, they can send that money to the federal government if the federal government behaves properly. That's apportionment tax. The other tax is uh, a, a tariff at the border tax, which says, you know, we've got to charge the sales side of the equation somehow, but let's make it as indirect as we can. Let's not have our businesses being monitored. Let's not have a, a day-to-day interactions for Americans to be bugged by it. But when you bring product in from other nations, let's have a small tariff. That'll pay for the proper government. It will not put it on the backs of the American people. Let's make sure that it's small so it doesn't manipulate the level playing field that's out there. And let's make sure that that, uh, it's as indirect as it can be, and let's make sure that it's as small as it can be. And so the real Founding Fathers debate came finally down to let's have as indirect taxation as we could possibly get. Let's not attack the economic side so we have this situation. If we're going to, to any degree, let's make it a self-limiting tax. Meaning that, hey, if you put too much tariff on the border, the people in in America are going to be frustrated because they have to pay too much for their goods. If it's too low, then, hey, Americans won't have enough competition. Let's balance all that in the free market and see where it all lands. And they did this with apportionment taxes and tariffs at the border taxation in an effort to try to make taxes out of the way, out of sight, out of mind, but very small indeed, but literally cover the proper role of government. That was the intent of the founders, and that's a summation, probably a little longer than you wanted, Lowell, but that's a summation of the real economic debate, the tax debate, the need for legitimate taxes, but the very serious concern that, hey, it would become too direct and too onerous, too progressive, too abusive, too communistic, and they did all they could to prevent it, and we failed them, sir. Wow, that's a wonderful summary, Sam. I like that very much. And uh, it turns out that the current government, the general government, has violated this um, this notion of the founders on at least two fronts. Number one, they've they've made taxes direct with the implementation of the Thirteenth Amendment in 1913, and then they've also been printing money out of thin air, which was also prohibited by the Constitution. They said, uh, in in other words. They, we, we, if if they can print money out of thin air, they really don't need to tax. So the tax, the income tax, is really for show. It's political theater, uh, since they have the ability to print money out of thin air. And so, even though, even if we were to get rid of the income tax entirely, if we still allowed the federal government to print money out of thin air, we'd still be in the in a pickle. They would still spend money, uh, making themselves too big with more reach than ever before. And so that alone is not the solution. But see, they they have both. They, they not only do they have taxing authority uh, dom- uh, directly on Americans, but they also have spending power because they can print money out of thin air. Now, should they be doing that? No. But are they doing it? Yes. And so that that's a, sort of a double whammy there. But you're absolutely right, Sam. About the the uh, the um, the use of, of taxation was carefully guarded. You know, by the founders, Madison in, in Federalist Number Ten said, 
the apportionment of taxes on the various descriptions of property is an act which seems to require the most exact impartiality. Uh, you know, you're talking about uh, how important it is that impost excises be uniform throughout the United States. They wrote that right into the Constitution. So to be uniform, you can't tax one person at one rate and another person at a different rate. That's not a uniform tax. Now, have we had income taxes before 1913? Yes, there's two occasions. Um, one was during the War of Northern Aggression, commonly known as the Civil War. A progressive income tax was enacted. It had a maximum tax rate of 10%, and it was repealed 10 years later in 1872. Then Congress passed an income tax in 1894, one that hit only the top 2% of incomes, but the Supreme Court struck it down as unconstitutional. In fact, Justice Stephen Field, who had been sitting on the court for 30 years, was outraged that Congress would pass a bill to tax a small voting bloc and exempt the larger group of voters. At age 77, um, Field not only repudiated Congress's action, but he also penned a prophecy. He said that uh, he predicted um, that this will be but a stepping stone. I mean, if, 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 a, if a progressive tax were enacted, he said that would be a stepping stone to other larger, more sweeping uh, taxes till our political contest would be, become a war of the poor against the rich. And boy, and howdy, be, do we see the reality of that coming <laughs> true, huh, sir? Absolutely came true, that one there. That's what we have today, you know, class warfare where the poor are warfaring against the rich. How, does, how, do, how are they doing that, you might ask? Well, they do it by subscribing to welfare programs like food stamp programs and so forth, like welfare payments. Um, basically, you tax the productive classes and you give that money to the unproductive classes of people. Now, I am not against charity, but I am opposed to when, when the government steals money from you and me and gives it to people they want to give it to, that is not charity. That is theft. And uh, or, uh, some people call it government charity, but that's simply theft. And I'm opposed to that, but if we had more money in our pockets, then we would be more willing to, to donate to charitable causes. I mean, Sam, one of the questions I have for you is what would you do with that extra, you know, five or ten thousand dollars that today you have to pay to the general government, um, you know, to the IRS. I mean, what would you do with that extra money? I if, would employ if, people if and I'd put more money to charity. Uh, are the two things that I would do, and I would say charity because I, I believe that I'm a minister uh, to the Lord Jesus Christ, and I and I I'm his his hands, his eyes, and his ears, and so I'd do more charitable things, and I'd also hire more people in my businesses. That's what I personally would do. Yeah, and look at the impact that would have on the economy. You wouldn't be alone in that. There would be thousands of people who, like you, would would have a little bit more money to put to charity, a little bit more money to 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 employ people in their businesses, and it would be a uh, a real you know shot in the arm, so to speak, of of uh, productivity and prosperity and peace, because we wouldn't have this class warfare going on. We'd be more peaceful. We'd would like our neighbors more because they wouldn't be stealing from us, and so we'd be more willing to, to dole money out to them if they truly needed help. And that's where charity ought to come from anyway, is our own neighbors. How can the government, how can Washington, D.C. know whether you really need the money or not? Well, they can't. How can a state government know? Well, they really can't. But your neighbors know. They know you. They know your situation. 
um, and you know the situation your neighbors live in, you are in a much, much better position to determine whether or not somebody needs help monetarily, you know, fiscal help than any government entity can. It just makes sense, Sam. And so, well, and they're anyway, going to need a lot less help if the government doesn't take a huge slice of the pie, too. Let's be clear. <laughs> that's right. I mean, for every dollar you that goes back to the, to Washington D.C., you know, states get about twenty cents back. You know, and that may be an optimistic uh, estimation right there. But right, yeah. And so, and so, I'm really excited about the idea. I, I would love to see this idea come to pass. This idea where a state um, takes the revenues which normally would go to the general government, they take those revenues from the people, and they then they only give to the general government, you know, the, the revenues if, you know, on good behavior. But the, until they are in good behavior, then the state spends the, the, that money in the state um, where it would otherwise be spent, right? So like for education. Now, this is not the ideal I'm talking, but a very pragmatic approach to the problem where they spend the money on education. It would have come from the general government back to the state. Well, the state will just keep that there and, and not send it around through Washington, D.C., and would therefore have five times as much money to spend on education. So anyway, just a thought. Sam. And local control um, without strings attached from some faraway fed that has some agenda that may be contrary to the state uh, and to the people as well. That's critical to know. Ladies and gentlemen, if, you, if you're concerned about this discussion on taxes, I propose that you put the Constitution for the United States of America on one side, and you put the Communist Manifesto on the other side, and then you uh, read the Federalist and the Anti-Federalist Papers and study the debate of the Founding Fathers on taxes. And I just hope you land on the Constitution side of the equation, ladies and gentlemen, because we've literally embraced the Communist Manifesto far more than I ever thought possible, and it is scary. Ladies and gentlemen, reject the godless communist agenda. Turn to God, family, and country via the supreme law of the land, the Constitution, inspired of Almighty God. It ought to be the political religion of our nation. I submit to you that we the people can make that happen if we educate ourselves and stand together in our sacred cause. Lowell, thank you so much, my brother. You're welcome, Sam. There he goes. Campaignforliberty.org doing a phenomenal job, as always. Hour one in the can, hour two coming up. The good Dr. Scott Bradley with me, second hour. But for now, for Simon Lowell, we declare this nation shall endure. God save the Republic of the United States of America. LovingLiberty.net for live and on-demand radio. Atop the Rocky Mountains, the crossroads of the West. West. You are listening to the Liberty Roundtable Radio Talk radio Show. Talk Show. All right, happy to have you along, my fellow American Sam Bushman, live on your radio. Hard-hitting news that it was refused to use, no doubt, continues now. This is the broadcast from May 17th in the year of our Lord, 2021. This is our two at two. The goal always to protect life, liberty, and property, and to promote God, family, and country on your radio in the traditions of our founding fathers. Yes, indeed, we use the blueprint for liberty, the supreme law of the land, the Constitution for the United States of America as our guide. The checks and balances, brilliantly put in place by the founding fathers, and one of the great peaceful solutions we still have at our fingertips. And as you know, we reject revolution. We stand for peaceful restoration 
of the greatest country on the face of the earth. Welcome to the broadcast. Our two Mondays and uh, Fridays, the good doctor is in the house. Dr. Scott Bradley with me, his lifelong goal and collegiate series to match, to preserve the nation. Where can you find it? Freedomsrisingsun.com. Doctor, hope you had a fantastic weekend, sir. Well, you know, I mean, every weekend's good if you get a, a beautiful morning and you got a day long ahead of you. So I, I think, you know, really, I mean, I think a lot of times people today spend a lot more time obsessing than they should on the oh, ain't it awfuls. I'm, and it's been particularly bad for the last 14 months because that's all we're fed in the media. And you know what? God gave us a beautiful world that's self-renewing. And we've got our lives, our liberty, and our property. And you know what? It's up to us to preserve them for ourselves and our posterity. And if we keep that focus, I don't know how we can be completely pulled into the oainted offals that they constantly feed to us. Celebrities, politicians, talking heads in the media. And, And I think we've got to put a little better spin on that because we are a truly blessed people. Amen to that. And when you talk about life and liberty and property, really you're talking about the freedom to pursue happiness. Uh, happiness uh, in, a, in, in a way that's God's plan of happiness. In other words, what I mean by that is you have the, the ability to marry, to have fidelity to one, to have children, to have delight in your family. Every week you can make the Sabbath a delight. Uh, you can spend the rest of your days in equally wonderful pursuits. Uh, you can uh, work hard and, and benefit from the fruits of your labors. Uh, you're free to associate with whom you choose. You're, you're free to go about uh, carrying out good all the day long, ministering to those around you, lifting all boats, if you will. I mean, there's just so much that can be done. But you've got to understand it, and you've got to advocate for it, and you've got to remind each other about it because it's so easy uh, to miss, it's so easy to go negative, especially with the media, as you pointed out ar- around us. It takes real effort to get on your knees and pray and say, God, what would you have me be about doing today? And then get up and go about it. And I believe God can inspire us to do that. And when we do, we find so much good in the world, doctor. But that is in oh, contrast to what you hear and see every single day. I mean, they just browbeat you down, sir. Oh, yeah. Yeah, you've got a fear. Don't you know that? you got a fear. But you know what? It's it's so interesting to me that uh, today is the age of the anti-hero. To me, it seems like it. I mean, we put up as icons in front of us people that uh, there's no way in the world they should even get the slightest moment of, of our attention, but they, they constantly feed them to us. And there's an old adage that I, I try and teach young people that wickedness never was happiness. And when you have people that have abandoned the, the sound foundation of pure happiness. I mean, the things that really matter, uh, they're not really happy. What they are is they may be in a, I mean, it, it, they may be in a drug-induced haze, I don't know, but, but so many of them seem to shuttle between, you know, jail and, and party and hearty and, and uh Well, rehab. oftentimes, as you uh, wisely point out, it's a pleasure stupor, not a real it happiness is. viewpoint or feeling it or is. belief it, or understanding. Happiness is when you're right with God, sir. It it surely is, and and uh, a lot of people have forgotten that. There's a peace that comes with knowing your status and standing before God, and uh, and I think if people could pursue that uh, more diligently, and and it's not something you gotta 
put it on your checklist and when you're done with it, be done with it. I mean, it's something that, that every single day comes and goes with opportunities to elevate and bless. And, and we, I think we oftentimes do that. The old saying, too, about it, if you're in the service of your fellow man, you're in the service of your God. And sometimes people just need to kind of recalibrate and quit pursuing the things of the world. By the way, I mentioned celebrities earlier. It's kind of interesting. Maybe you saw this story. Uh, Eric Clapton, you know, the rebel. And uh, he took the jab. And uh, holy cow, he's got a lot to say about it. He... He rused the day. He thought for two weeks. He couldn't feel his hands or his feet, thought he'd never play again, and uh, was absolutely devastated by the what happened. It was the AstraZeneca thing that he took. And, uh, and then six weeks later, when he got the follow-up jab, he had some other devastating things. And it's like, holy cow, all we hear nowadays is the pitch from the media, from the politicians, and from the celebrities. I mean, it's a paid pitch, I'm sure where they say, oh, you got to get it, got to get it. Oh, oh, don't you care about my health? Whatever. And we could talk forever about that. But here's a guy that's telling it like it is. And uh, there's some criticism out there about him, too. Oh, don't don't discourage people from doing the right thing. You know, the guy, uh, he's 76, I think, or 78, something like that. Yeah, well, here's the deal. Uh, Eric Clapton blames propaganda for the disaster around covid uh, and Rolling Stone's got the piece, not that I'm really fond of Rolling Stone necessarily, but Clapton says it's the disastrous vaccine propaganda that really is the issue here. He detailed his disastrous health experience after receiving the COVID-19 vaccine. That's serious. It's not a serious vaccine, business. Sam. It's not a, it's not a vaccine. Don't forget I know. that. Okay, go ahead, go ahead. I don't know. I know. Sorry the, to the problem. The problem <laughs> is that this is what the news article is saying, though, right? Okay, okay. So I agree it's not a vaccine, but I'm just telling you, that's mainstream Rolling Stone news. Now, they're not our friends. They're extreme liberals, but they're at least reporting, you know, for the most part. Now, it's Eric Clapton that's saying the vaccine uh, is a propaganda-driven. Okay, now, I agree that it's not a vaccine. It's an experimental Gene therapy is what it really is. Now, Eric Clapton, after the vaccine, he says, I should have never have taken it. I should have never have gone near the needle, he says. Okay? That's interesting. I should have never gone near the needle. But but here's the deal. They're they're propagandizing this to the point, and, and I really do believe we've kind of, kind of, in, in many ways, reached a saturation point for those that are anxious to get it. And they're having to double down. And so they've just this past weekend, they kind of said, oh, my goodness, oh, my, ha, all you lucky dogs that took the vaccine, quote, unquote, again, I want that emphasized. Um, now you can go outside and not wear a mask. I mean, come on. What? And, and, you know, by the way, we talked, I think, about this last time, how eight Yankees, it's maybe different now, but I think in the conversation we had eight Yankees that had received the jab weeks before, and eight of them had the COVID, and seven of them were asymptomatic. And it's like, okay, this bought them a lot for all the risks that's associated with it. I'm just utterly astounded at the ignorance and the, the naivety of people that will, they refuse to look at what this 
experimental process is. And, and there's large corporations that are taking the leap and saying, you can't come to work for us anymore. If you're going to be a new employee, you've got to have this jab. And it's like, wait, wait, wait. It, it doesn't give immunity. It doesn't prevent the spread. It has unproven effect, efficacy. And it also has undocumented and unknown risks, short-term and long-term. And Eric Clapton experienced a small amount of them. I personally know people that have had devastating circumstances, people that has been months now since they took it, and they're regretting it to, to the nth degree. I mean, some, yeah, you say, oh, you know, the next morning they're saying, oh, don't do this, you know, because they're worried they're going to die. But months, months, and it's, it's unremitting. I mean, I, I suspect we're going to see autoimmune diseases that, uh, you know, just pop up here and there and everywhere, and everybody's going, oh, yeah, but uh, I can go outside without a mask now. You know what? I've gone outside without a mask all my life, including the last 14 months, and it's never been a problem. I got an immune system. God put this system in my system that works with the rest of his system. It's a, it's just utterly amazing. Anyway, I, I didn't want to take you off on a tangent too much. No, but hold I, on. I You're not on we... a tangent because that's exactly what I okay. have queued up. It's a great introduction oh, for the debate okay. that's about to ensue, sad to say. So Eric Clapton doubling down saying, hey, you know what? I should have never gone near the needle. Okay. Now, the CDC director, Rochelle Lewinsky, or whatever her name is, told ABC's Martha Raddick, or Radis, I guess it is, on Sunday, the reversal on mask guidance has come as a result of rapidly evolving science, she says. Now, here's what happened. Martha got after her and said, hey, Mich or Rochelle, what the heck is up with this? You guys got rid of the vaccine or the mask mandates too early. You guys did this. You guys did that. You're not following the science. And what she came back with is, well, we're following rapidly evolving science on this thing and i don't mean to be rude but i'm just going to lay it out because i'm not a scientist but i i know a little bit about the scientific method a little bit about what science is it's supposed to be repeatable evidence to the point where you can take it all the way to the phase of uh, virtual fact you know from theory to hypothesis or hypothesis to theory hypothesis so on okay but you know what the science is rapidly evolving I submit to you that's not even possible in a literal sense. We'll talk about it with a good Dr. Scott Bradley in seconds. She lies on public TV. The spirit of the American West is live and well in Range Magazine, the award-winning quarterly devoted to the issues affecting the American West. Each issue contains informative articles, breathtaking imagery, as well as the culture of cowboy spirit today, and gift ideas like the 2021 Real Buckaroo Calendar. Order online from rangemagazine.com. Loving Liberty Network salutes the spirit of the American West at rangemagazine.com. 
well, my mom smokes and my dad smokes, and I saw them smoking, so I tried it. They're telling me not to smoke, but they smoke themselves. When it comes to smoking, are you sending mixed signals? But when you teach someone a certain way to do things and you go back on that certain way, it sends mixed signals to the person that they're trying to teach. The parents need to be the example. Smoking. If you think you're old enough to start, you're smart enough to stop. A public service message from this station and the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. How many times do I have to tell you? I swear, it just goes in one ear and out the other. Don't you understand English? Your children are probably too polite to tell you. Hello? Those things on the side of your head aren't turnips? But they get just as frustrated when you won't listen to them as you do when they won't listen to you. Do I need to speak slower? In fact, few things show children how much they're valued and respected more than a parent's willingness to listen. Tell me what you did at work today. Studies show when parents listen, children develop better listening skills themselves. They also tend to have more self-confidence and are more likely to avoid alcohol and drugs. Now sit down here and tell me all about it. When you really listen, love is what they'll hear. Thank you for sharing that with me. From the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. For more tips on strengthening your family, visit family.mormon.org. Promoting God, family, and country. You are listening to Liberty Roundtable Radio. All right, back with you live, ladies and gentlemen. So all I'm telling you is that it's out of control, rapidly evolving science. Huh? Yeah. I don't understand what rapidly evolving science is. It's a contradiction of reality. We'll get into that in just a second. But Joe Biden ignoring his own uh, scientific. He said, all we're going to do is follow the science when he first got elected. Uh, but the science, you know, said, hey, you don't need to wear masks everywhere if you've been vaccinated, supposedly from well, the leader of the Center for Disease Control and Prevention. What's your name? Rochelle Walensky. Okay, but yet Joe Biden now going golfing, wearing a mask, running around wearing masks all the time. Fauci just crazy wearing two masks and he's already been vaccinated and stuff like this. They're sending dishonest, mis mixed messages. Uh, the idea that science is rapidly evolving cannot be true, doctor. It's the very opposite to what scientists really strive for how do you have repeatable consistent accurate data that moves you through the scientific method when it's rapidly evolving what the heck does that mean well you know i i i feel utterly amazed at, at how baffled everybody that runs this program seems to be and and it's i've called it the fauci facade uh, rand paul called it theater I've called uh, the gates of hell being involved and so on and so forth. But the, the facts of the matter are that for decades there has been an effort, literally decades, an effort to bring forth a COVID family vaccine. Because, you know, there's, there's other uh, more virulent and, and deadly forms of COVID out there. And, uh, and they've been trying hard. There's never been in that time a... Uh, a vaccine that's been able to be developed. There's never been an mRNA type vaccine that's been able to be developed for use on humans because when they try it on the animals, the animals die. 
I mean, we are the experiment now. I mean, because the the I, I saw a thing somebody sent me the other day. It had I can't remember if it was a bunny rabbit or a rat or a mouse or something. Anyway, the, it had a little sign that says "Humans took my job." The, the humans are the the whole process on this thing, and so what we have is 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 simply a splatter against the wall, see what sticks kind of approach to things. And they have changed as often as our military objectives change in Afghanistan or Iraq or Somalia or anywhere in the world that we happen to be engaged when we're not in a constitutional war. So these these rapidly changing um, non-objective kind of things, that they make it up as they go. Masks were wrong. Now they're right. Now you put air too. Now that you've got a vaccine, you can take one off outside. No, but you got to play with it in your golf game outside. I I use the old phonetic uh, alphabet system that we used when we were used the radios in the old days in the military. It's a Bravo Sierra World Time. We have got so much, just completely Bravo Sierra. There's nothing out there that has any well, logic, reason, intelligence, or continuity to it. The bottom line is she flat out lied. The Center for Disease Control director lied to Martha Raddus or whatever her name is. Uh, basically, she lied, though. This rapidly evolving science is a lie. You don't have rapidly evolving science. Science is a methodical, method-based reality where you document and you prove and you to the best of your ability now i know nothing's 100 percent provable in many cases uh it's cause and effect oftentimes but you can repeat something with such consistency uh that it becomes uh accepted uh, over time uh, but uh, really am, am i telling the truth ask all the collegiate professionals and everybody else out there how accurate am i on this statement versus this well it's rapidly evolving what the heck does that mean it's not even possible if you look at real science is it no, and, and here's, you, you hit upon something that Joseph Goebbels, the Nazi propaganda minister, spoke often from the 1930s and 1940s. You tell a lie big enough and, and long enough, it becomes truth. And that's where, I mean, that's a very, very rough translation from the German, but, but you get the idea. This is the kind of thing that this lie has been foisted upon us if you look at all the evidence that's there whether it's the total 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 number of deaths in the united states during 2020 and compare that to previous years it's a wash it is statistically an anomaly that could be explained easily anything that's different of course we don't have any you know any deaths for seasonal flu and the the pneumonia went down and motorcycle deaths must have gone down because holy cow everything was attributed to the covid but you look at the actual total numbers you go to the cdc and you look at their their website you pull these numbers off you look at the the world count they've got stuff at the world it is absolutely astounding and what really blows my mind and i guess it's easily done nowadays but i get these people that are in positions of authority that oh it's so bad everything's falling apart the wheels are falling off this thing we're stacking bodies on the corners whatever and we're so sad for all of you that have lost people you know what nobody Nobody counts the malaria deaths or the tuberculosis deaths or the cancer deaths or the heart attack deaths. 
People are dying every day, and the death rate is no higher than it has been in previous years. And yet the only thing they want to talk about is is their uh, designer disease. And, and it's to build fear and doubt and hopelessness in all of us. And, and I just, it's like we started out with this program today. You know what? It's a beautiful day. Live your life. Enjoy it. Hug your grandma and your grandpa and your grandchildren, whatever it is. I have found that's the best therapy, and I've never varied from that at any time in my life. So that's my personal approach to the way things ought to be. Shake hands. Go help each other. Spend time together. That's what life's about. So I don't know. I'm just sick and tired. I mean, so many people. Oh, by the way, I think that's one of the reasons that they had some of these changes over the weekend. I think they're realizing that a lot of people are just done with this facade. And and they're getting to the point that now they're trying to give you an incentive. They say, oh, you know what? Yeah, you can take your mask off if you get the vaccine, if you're outside. So suddenly there's a, oh, well, maybe, maybe getting... Maybe getting this jab is, is the way I ought to go. And, and so they're trying to, I think they're trying to skew the reluctant ones into it by putting a carrot out there. Nothing's changed. Nothing has changed. The efficacy has not changed. The proven nature of it has not changed. The long-term or short-term side effects have not changed. The science has not changed. And being a human has not changed. But boy, oh man alive, there's a, an effort to get it to, to go off the rails. And they have done it largely across the nations of the world. All right. Well, Ben Swan created a video called Fight Like Hell Against Vaccine Passports. It's already been shut down by YouTube. So this is the propaganda they're telling if they're so confident in the science, ladies and gentlemen. Why would they have a problem with vaccine passports? And why, if they're not going to mandate by vaccine passport, why would they be worried about shutting down, saying fight like heck against them? Because they would say, well, we're not going to be mandating them anyway. It doesn't matter, right? Because they're lying. You know, I, I, because they're going to force a vaccine passport. They're just going to do it in a way that they can try to not take the blame. Government has learned not to to do things by direct force because they get caught and the people revolt. They've learned to do things in backhanded ways that deceive the people. Uh, And then later they admit, yeah, we forced you to do that, so what? But it's too late now. That's how they roll, doctor. Well, that's exactly, we can, you know, learn from the light of the past, if you will. It shines forth and we can see the path we're on. And and I I look at uh, Utah as a prime example. It's a good example of a bad example. What the government did in Utah, our governor and, and lieutenant governor and our, our health officials, oh, no, no, no. Uh, the, we're, we're, you, churches don't have to shut down. But what they did is they went behind closed doors with churches and said, look, it would really help us out if you did. Churches said, okay. Big business said, okay, we'll, we'll do the masks. We'll, we'll, do, we'll check it at the door and everything like that. They said, well, that's good because we were going to fine you $10,000 a day for every you know, day that you didn't conform, or we're going to take your license away for health reasons. So the government, the, 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 our governor washed his hands of it. It's not me that's doing it. It's not me. 
businesses are doing this. And it's like, again, bravo, Sierra. Businesses are doing it because you strong-armed them. I have personally met with business owners, and these are the stories they've told me that behind closed doors, this is what they're being threatened with. All right, let's talk more about it, ladies and gentlemen, because this is serious business indeed. You are listening to Liberty Roundtable Live. Exposing corruption, informing citizens, pursuing liberty. You're listening to Liberty News Radio. USA Radio News with Lance Pride. A bridge collapse has caused a Union Pacific train to derail near Sibley, Iowa, Sunday afternoon, sending thick black smoke into the air. Emergency personnel say all waterways near the derailment have been blocked and 47 train cars were involved in the crash. Some of the cars were leaking hydrochloric acid. Sibley, Iowa is between Sioux City, Iowa and Minneapolis, Minnesota. Last week, the Center for Disease Control advised that fully vaccinated people can be indoors and outdoors without wearing masks, except when in healthcare settings, on public transportation, or in specified areas where masks are required. Dr. Gupta on CNN says the messaging from officials has been confusing. It is a mishmash, and that could have been avoided. The doctor says another point of concern is the lack of guidance on how best to implement these new guidelines. CDC Director Dr. Rochelle Walensky is asking businesses to help workers get vaccinated. USA Radio News. Hello, this is Wayne Alaroot for our newest sponsor, Asset Strategies, or ASI for short. ASI is a precious metals powerhouse. They sell gold and silver. Never in history has there been a more important moment to buy gold and silver. ASI has been in business for 39 years. They've served over 20,000 clients and sold $5 billion worth of gold, silver, and precious metals with zero complaints. Last year, gold saw gains of 25%. Silver nearly doubled gold's performance. Now Democrats are in charge. Green New Deal, open borders, free health care for illegals. Bailout broke cities and states. The debt is about to go through the stratosphere. The time to buy is now. The owners of ASI, Michael and Rich Checkin, have been my close personal friends for 16 years. ASI is the company I trust when it comes to buying and selling precious metals. Call now to receive a free consultation and a free one-ounce Silver Eagle with every qualifying purchase when you mention the Wayne Allen Root Show. Call 800-831-0007. That's 800-831-0007. Or visit AssetStrategies.com. Let's get an infrastructure spending update with Dan Naraki from the Ohio USA Radio News Bureau. President Biden will meet early this week with a group of Republican senators to continue negotiations over his infrastructure plan. The two sides met last Thursday, with both emerging hopeful that a compromise could be reached. Republicans have balked at the size of the president's more than $2 trillion proposal, looking instead for a smaller and more targeted package. Representative Ashley Hinson says she's also hopeful for a deal. The Iowa Republican tells Fox News that investing in infrastructure is important, but that not a Enough of the president's plan does that. Only 6% goes to roads and bridges, uh, only about 5% to broadband infrastructure and even less to locks and dams and ports. So you're talking about spending more on electric vehicle subsidies than actual infrastructure. I think that's where we need to come to the drawing board. I think there is uh, a room where we can actually find a solution that everybody agrees on, but um, I, I hope we can all come to the table and get something done. Infrastructure includes transportation systems, communication networks, sewage, water, and electric systems. USA Radio News.
begging politicians, bureaucrats, and educrats, and all do-getters to please obey the supreme law of the land, the Constitution. This is Liberty Roundtable. So I submit to you that passports are coming. They want you to believe they're not. They want you to believe the government won't mandate them because they know that gets them in serious hot water and creates a backlash like you wouldn't believe. They don't want it. But they're setting the stage for vaccine passports, ladies and gentlemen, and I'm going to tell you right now, it's coming. Delta Airlines came out and said, hey, all new employees have to have a vaccine passport. We're not going to make our current employees have it because 60% of them already have it. But what will happen if you don't get it, the other 40% that are already employees, even though it's not mandated, eventually you'll be drummed out. Eventually 60% will become 75% than the new employees, and it won't be long. But they're doing this because they're walking a fine line. Walmart, all kinds of places, Trader Joe's, Costco, they're all saying, hey, you don't have to wear masks. They're not mandated anymore. Thank heavens we're following the science. But then the elephant in the room question is, well, how are you going to prove whether people have their vaccinations and can run around without masks or not? And they say right now we're going to do it on the honor system. But how long will that last? Ladies and gentlemen, how long will the honor system be enough? Senator Rand Paul says this. The left has gone completely COVID crazy. They want government enforced shutdowns, mask mandates, school closures, forced vaccines. And now they're talking about a COVID vaccine passport. It's absolutely unconstitutional, not to mention it's flat-out absurd. But it won't just be a COVID passport now. It'll be an illness passport. And eventually it will be tied to Chinese social credit systems. You don't believe me? Well, right now Ben Swan just got shut down on YouTube. Why? Because he dared to put out a video that says fight like hell against vaccine passports. Got already censored by YouTube. So, see, you're going to get these social credits. It won't eventually just be a COVID passport because what happens when COVID-19 goes away or it morphs into something else? Remember, the SARS-2 is a strain of the, quote, flu of yesteryear, right? Remember the bird flu was a SARS, right? So, okay, so where, where are we going with this? And eventually what it will be is they will tie this illness component to a component that determines how your mental faculties are which will be tied to social credits. Write this down. That's where they're headed. And they know by releasing this guidance from the government saying no masks, they know people are going, what? Even the liberals are going, wait, that can't be science. And they're going, well, it's rapidly changing science. But they know it's not. What they know is if they create this hole, hey, we're going to have to use the honor system there to be safe then the people are going to rally going, we can't have the honor system. My Uncle Teddy, he doesn't, he doesn't get vaccinated, but he runs around and just walks in like he is. He's lying to everybody. And what they're trying to do is get the people to demand this to where they can just simply say, well, we're just doing what the people want. Or the businesses can do it. And the government will just say, well, I mean, we can't stop Walmart and Costco and from requiring the vaccination card, whatever you want to call it. 
Uh, that's where they're headed, Doctor, and they're setting the landscape to really try to get the people to insist on it. Your thoughts? It's <clears throat> the, the problem. It's, it's not a simple, oh, you, you stop this leak in the dam, you're going you're gonna to prevent the flood. They're using multifaceted approaches to things. They use a public shaming kind of thing that's been very, very effective. I mean, everything from church meetings to, to you know, going out in your grocery store. It's been a public shaming kind of situation. They've used the term vaccine <coughs> for a lot of reasons, one of which they feel like it gives them validity with the 1905 Supreme Court Jacobson case, Jacobson v. Massachusetts, where in the Supreme Court erroneously, by the way, uh, decided that uh, the vaccine could be required for smallpox in Massachusetts. Um, and, and, and so, oh yeah, we have a Supreme Court case that justifies this. We have the idea that uh, people have an aura or an image of vaccines create a safe environment, that everything's healthy and strong. We have the, the force of um, uh, image that is portrayed in uh, across the news and everything. One of the things that's been utterly amazing to me is how it wasn't just a narrative, I always say. It was a script that was handed to the mainstream media. That's what a lot of people call them. I call them the lame brain media. And, and the talking heads from the 1st of March a year ago have have done this. It's It's a it's a storyline. It's it's a script, and they are feeding this constantly to us. So they're using multifaceted approaches to do it, and and the people have just got to say no. We're not going to do this anymore, and and uh, that's where it really comes down to. Uh, where this is the United States of America. We were once a free people. We can regain that again, and I'm ashamed of what Americans have done thus far in pushing back. I mean, I look at, at some of the rallies I've seen in Europe, in Germany, in England, and some of the places, I mean, where they have truly draconian things that are going on, and some of the people are getting their heads knocked in to try and prevent this. I mean, these are people that, that marched in the goose step, you know, here 80 years ago, and they're saying, no, we're not going to go down this path. In America, we've become a bunch of sheep bleating for security. And we are giving up our liberty for something that we don't have to. I'm utterly astounded. But but they're using multifacets to do it. And and it's so manipulative. It is so well planned. The old phraseology, it's highly organized, cleverly disguised, and powerfully promoted. And we are seeing people falling in line. Large churches, large businesses. These institutional places are the ones that are doing it. And Remember the the John Galt story on Rand, what was it, Atlas Shrugged? Uh, maybe some of us need to set up a counterculture economy someplace and just live our lives without the buffoons that are regulating and performing tyranny right before our eyes and everybody's rolling over and curling up in a fetal position and, and they're, they're going to be safe, though. By golly, it's going to... Of course, maybe many of them will be in the fetal position because the the uh, medical experiment they're participating in will bring them to that. I don't know, but it's astounding to me how widely this has become almost instantaneously across the nation for no valid reason. There is no science behind it, and but all they got to do is say we're following the science, 
well, what did the science say about a mask two days ago that is saying differently now? You know, it, it's nothing. Nothing has any continuity or any validity. And that's where I've come to this. Well, the only continuity is the race towards tyranny, the race towards control, and the denying of people's liberty and freedoms. That is, uh, in my opinion, the takeaway here. Okay? So let's talk about this a little bit more. I submit to you that these vaccine so-called passports are nothing but a ruse. Okay? They're going to move us into this idea of social credit. All right, China, China already has the social credit system alive and well in their society and with its punishments and rewards. You know what? Your reward is that you get your paycheck if you obey. Your punishment is you don't get your paycheck. Your reward is that you can shop and, and live a normal citizen's life if you obey and do what they say. If you don't, then you're in trouble. All right? And I want to talk about how the social credit system is coming to America, ladies and gentlemen. Ready? Uh, it's going to relate with social media. In other words, how you obey or, and behave on social media. So guys like me and Dr. Scott Bradley aren't very obedient here. Ben Swan that says fight like heck. Okay. This is uh, something that they won't tolerate. So they're going to control you by your social media post. That's going to create your, quote, digital footprint of obedience or the lack thereof, thus triggering the reward or punishment system. That's downstream from your, quote, social media behavior, if you will. The second component is a universal basic income that they're pushing for. All right. And the UBI, your universal basic income, will give them the ability to, you know what, when a pandemic comes, don't worry, you've got your paycheck, stay home. Uh, you're dependent on government. And uh, not only is your social media posts out of line, you better strengthen them. You know what, we'll give you your check this month, but I'm telling you right now, you've got 90 days to take that down or shut up or stop doing that, right? Then they're going to team that up with a cashless society, ladies and gentlemen, because that's the only way that they can control you. If you make your own money... And if you turn it into cash, they don't have the control mechanisms. But make no mistake, ladies and gentlemen, your digital passport will become part of the social credit system. And then they'll trigger a bunch of other things that they've already gathered on you. We'll talk about those, such as your right to vote, your driver's license, your medical information. Hang tight. Liberty Roundtable Live. Abby Johnson was once director of a Planned Parenthood clinic in Bryan, Texas. After a moral crisis, she quit, and now she campaigns against what she once endorsed. They implement abortion quotas in all of their clinics. What do you mean quotas? You have to perform a certain number of abortions every month. Um, one of the reasons that I left... Are they explicit about that? Yes. It's, it's in your budget, right there on the line item. Uh, one of the reasons I left Planned Parenthood was because uh, in a budget meeting, I was told to double that abortion quota. And for me, as someone who had spoken to the media and had said, you know, we're about reducing the number of abortions, we're about, you right. know, prevention, all of these other services, I was shocked. So to hear since this. you actually worked at a Planned Parenthood, give us some sense of the relative number of abortions. Okay, abortions, Planned Parenthood provides over 330,000 abortions a year. They are the largest single abortion provider in our country.
parent, is receiving a faith-based, character-focused education for your children difficult to find? Do you believe that godly principles should be a central component in your child's education? Imagine a school where faith and integrity are at its center, where heritage and responsibility instill character. For over 40 years, American Heritage School has been educating both hearts and minds, bringing out academic excellence. This is the school where character and embracing the providence of a living God are fundamental, where students' national test scores average near the 90th percentile. With American Heritage School's Advanced Distance Education Program, distance is no longer an issue. With an accredited LDS-oriented curriculum from kindergarten through 12th grade, your children can attend from anywhere in the world. American Heritage School will prepare your child for more than a job. It will prepare them for life. To learn more, visit American-Heritage.org. That's American-Heritage.org. With news the networks refuse to use. You are listening to the Liberty Roundtable Radio Talk Show. All right, back with you live, ladies and gentlemen, Sam Bushman, Dr. Scott Bradley. So the social credit system is coming to America. And a society based on a social credit system is much closer than you think, doctor. Well, we're on a real fast track right now, it seems to me, to a Soviet-style economy. And you, you talk about the Chinese social credits and stuff like that. I, I perceive that we're much closer right now to a Soviet-style program that uh, has basically shortages of everything. And and what Americans, uh, I don't know, our leadership certainly doesn't understand is that if you don't bake a loaf of bread, nobody can eat a loaf of bread. And we're, we're getting shortages now. I, I've had some, you know, a lot of contact with, I mean, I, when I go to restaurants, I say, why aren't all your tables open? They say, well, we can't, we can't, um, hire enough people. People are not willing to come back to work right now because they're, they've got a an income still coming in. You, say, you talk to people in lumber stores. Well, how come this uh, uh, plywood that was $9 uh, you know, a year ago is now 50 And the shortages that are out there, the quality of lumber is not there. What we're finding is that that what the Soviet Union for 80 years suffered under this debilitating system of directed central planning is coming to America. And, and we're way down that path right now. And I, I agree, the social, the social uh, I don't know, whatever you're going to do that the, the Chinese are doing now with your social credits, that's probably going to be an aspect of it too. It'll be an enhanced Soviet s- shortage economy. But that's the thing, is that, that maybe we'd be better off without big social media, the Facebooks and the... Uh, the Twitters and the tweets or whatever the heck everybody does. I'm not into that stuff at all. Maybe we'd be a lot better off without that kind of world around us. And um, it's it's really interesting. Somebody the other day was telling me that uh, she, in fact, where was I? I was at a, uh, uh, a technology store, actually, and this woman was saying that, that she actually had withdrawal symptoms when she could not get access to her, you know, her iPhone. And it's like, holy cow, we we functioned well. I mean, as a young, I mean, I left home when I was 16 and traveled the country. I was out of pocket all the time. 
my family, they had no idea where I was. And you know what? We functioned. We got through life. We had an experience that I think made us what we are today. And um, and these people that have got to have an instantaneous tip of the finger, tip of the tongue kind of contact with everything constantly all the time, maybe we'd be better off if those systems failed on us. And maybe we'll be fortunate if they all do because everybody turns their back on them. Again, I, I come back to maybe some of us are going to have to run our economy more like almost the pioneers did. I don't know. But it's worth it to be free. I mean, to be free. I mean, look what the people suffered to come to this continent in little tiny boats and how they dragged handcarts and rode wagons across rugged plains, settled in arid lands. They, they did everything. They suffered all sorts of challenges so they could be free. And, and Americans today think it's got to be handed to them on a silver platter with a lavender spray so that everything smells and looks and tastes perfect. And maybe someday we'll be better people if we decide we're going to take a little harder path than just what's being fed to us by a system that is completely debauched right now. There is nobody that I can think of, well, maybe there's one or two, maybe, that that is fit to govern at this point. There is nobody that I trust in the major media. There is nobody. Everybody's bought and paid for. Everything, and, and it sounds cynical to say things like that, but look around you. The The narrative is not a narrative. It's an absolute script. And and we're being fed it constantly to the point that everybody, everybody is, not everybody, some of us aren't. Obviously, you and I aren't, and maybe some of your listeners, I don't know. But we're saying, no, we're going to be free, and we'll do what it takes to be free. No longer will we capitulate, no longer will we bow the knee to this false god called COVID. And you know, the closest one of the mainstream press that might be uh, to some degree telling the truth would be Tucker Carlson. But again, cancel culture is about to shut him down too. Here's the headline. Weaponizing cancel culture might just be the entrance to the national social credit system. And it's popular. People love it. Okay, China's social credit system. Punishments and rewards explained. The Chinese state is setting up a vast ranking system that will monitor the behavior of its population and then assign a social credit reality to that. And if you don't behave, you're in serious trouble. Well, that's coming to America. It's blatant in China, and they're quite far along. It's already on your cell phones and everywhere else. But it's coming to America. And I submit to you, they're setting the stage with this idea. We're going to say vaccinated people can run around and not wear masks. You're on the honor system, but that won't last. Eventually, they'll say businesses like Delta Airlines or others will say, you know, we just can't trust the people. There's too many people running around. It's just not safe. All it'll take is plant, plant, uh, plant the coronavirus somewhere, have an outbreak or two or three, and the people will go, yeah, good point. Gotta have it. Boom. Beware, my fellow Americans. Doctor? You know, you talk about the mark of the beast spoken of in the book of Revelation, and, and I honestly didn't think I was going to have to take the mark of the beast in order to go worship at my church. And they haven't said that in those terms at this particular point, but I fear that it's coming because the large institutions are saying, oh, but 
you know, really, to, for everything to go back to normal, we're going to have to do this. And and to me, it is a tragic travesty. I think we've got to be aware. We've got to be awake. We've got to say, this will not happen on my watch. When in the Look at the preamble to the Constitution. They did this for themselves and their posterity. And, and where we're going with this is not going to be a happy ending. And again, if you've got to, to, to buy your groceries, to go on an airplane, to go on a bus, if you've got to go buy a gallon of gas, or you're going to have to, I mean, these people, they truly believe they're onto something, I fear. And, and the people that are in the positions of governance at this point are not qualified to govern. And and maybe there will have to be a counterculture that comes through this thing ultimately and finally. And and uh, I'm I'm thinking it might be kind of a better way to live. So I'm not I'm not going to participate. Well, there's no doubt we need to tune out. We need to drop out. We need to take a pay. No, no, no! Don't do 60s. Timothy Leary on me. Don't uh, go Timothy on. Leary on me. We, we we need to do those things, but for a completely different focus agenda reality. Uh, and, yeah. and, and so I don't mean we need to do it in a drug-induced kind of a way, but I do mean to say, hey, we need to work locally with people who are like-minded. We need to make sure that we trade and barter and that we work locally with our money so that uh, we don't just get sucked into this digital system. We do need to stand on our own and work by ourselves and be self-employed and everything else so that we don't have to go into their, quote, social credit, universal basic income kind of a discussion. And, and so I don't want to go Timothy Leary, but I, I will say those words describe perfectly what we need to do uh, for completely different reasons. We need to turn to our God and worship our God directly, and we need to really focus on the Constitution and our local way of life. We can only change things at the local level, ladies and gentlemen. But if enough of us do it, we can change the game. Uh, and so I, I agree with you. I don't, I don't want this drug-induced discussion. But it does make a little bit of sense in terms of what you're proposing. You know, we're just about done, I know, with the program, but let me just tell you something. Uh, I mean, again, I, we've changed so much in a 100 years. We're cowardly. We're COVID cowards. We're worshiping at the altar of the COVID. We're willing to give everything up, but again, we keep coming back to going to God. Now, here's what our 30th president, Calvin Coolidge, said 100 years ago. Our government rests upon religion. It's forum that sort in its it is from that source that we derive our reverence for truth and justice, for equality and liberality, and for the rights of mankind. Unless the people believe in these principles, they cannot believe in our government. There are only two main theories of government in our world. One rests on righteousness and the other on force. One appeals to reason and the other appeals to the sword. One is exemplified by the republic. The other is represented by despotism. The government of a country never gets ahead of the religion of a country. There is no way by which we can substitute the authority of law for the virtue of man. Of course, we endeavor to restrain the vicious and furnish a fair degree of security and protection by legislation and police control. But the real reform which society in these days is seeking will come as a result of our religious convictions or they will not come at all. Peace, justice, humanity, charity, these cannot be legislated into being. The, they are the result of divine grace. 
Now there was an inspired president, probably the best president uh, of the 20th century, certainly of the 21st century. And he wasn't perfect, I know that, you can find fault. But Calvin Coolidge was one of the last of the Americans that thought along these lines. The socialistic welfare state, the social credit crap. I mean, I cannot believe that we're even talking about this. Once Americans had a backbone, now we seem to have abandoned that in favor of this paycheck protection plan or whatever the heck they're going to put out there now. I'm astounded, I'm appalled, and I'm ashamed that Americans have gone down this path. And I would love to be part of a way to turn this around, and I hope we are. I pray to God that somehow some sense comes back and our religious liberty returns in the way that it was originally intended as a divine right from God. I don't know, Sam. I know we're almost out of time. Ladies and gentlemen, I'll tell you this. um, Whether Calvin Coolidge was perfect or not, he was far from perfect, I know. So are we. There's only one perfect one, the Savior Jesus Christ. But I know this. He spoke truths uh, in that. And in those truths are the solutions, ladies and gentlemen. He pointed to solutions, our 30th 30th president, Calvin Coolidge, and we point to those same truths. Look, if we turn to God, We'll remain free. And if we turn away from God, we will lose our liberty. I don't care how religious you think you are or you are not. I don't care what brand of religion you decide that is for you, etc. But I'm telling you these fundamental truths, starting with the Ten Commandments, and then it goes beyond that to moral guidance from God governing our values as individuals, as families, and society just mirrors that reality, ladies and gentlemen. It's that simple. And God ordained the family to help us to stay true to his word, to help one another and teach our children to obey his guidance. And in that, we will have the freest, the most safe, the most honorable beacon on a hill the world has ever known. It was once that way, and it can be that way again, but we must use the blueprint for liberty, the supreme law of the land, the Bill of Rights, the Declaration of Independence, the Ten Commandments, all these things, ladies and gentlemen, will point us in the right direction. And any other effort to point us anywhere else has no track record of success and will be a dismal failure. The direction is clear. The hope and faith that we can do this as the American people is strong in our hearts and in our minds. And we ask you to join us. If you want to learn more about Dr. Bradley's incredible collegiate series and his weekly webinars and well over a thousand videos on his website freedomsrisingsun.com for me libertyroundtable.com our nationally syndicated radio network lovingliberty.net for dr scott bradley and sam bushman we declare this nation shall endure god save the republic of the united states of america but help us repent and qualify please